podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everyone, Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Harry Sethi. The Reds took another huge step in Europe as they returned to the San Zero and left 2-0 winners after a tough four game in Milan on Wednesday night. As their focus quickly returns to the Premier League and hunting down Manchester City, on this week's pod we'll be looking ahead to the weekend's game as relegation battling Norwich City arrive at Anfield this Saturday. And joining me on the podcast this week, I'm delighted to welcome on a lifelong Norwich fan and season ticket holder, Craig Hunter. Welcome, Craig. Hello, hello, Harry. Good to speak with you. No, yeah, uh, we've been doing these rival recons now for a very long time. uh, And I think whenever it gets to this point in the season, uh, it always starts to become a a little bit more business orientated, whoever we're speaking to, whether it be people who've got following clubs who have ambitions at at the top of the league or clubs who sort of knew perhaps when they were promoted to the league that it, it, it was going to be a relegation you know battle um, or sort of, sort of a tough fought battle to to remain in the league um, it feels like unfortunately whenever I've spoken to uh, journalists who've been covering Norwich uh, or um, even sort of fan media who've been following Norwich over the past few seasons as well it's been a very yo-yo sort of relationship with the with the Premier League um, but before we get into anything about this season or anything like that, like that I really wanted to, just to start really quick by asking you about how your relationship with with the club began um so when you first started or when you can remember sort of, sort of first following the club um and sort of yeah some of your early memories of actually supporting the canary some of your best memories of, of supporting the club uh yes yeah i've been a, a lifeline a lifelong fan uh my dad's a Norwich supporter and i i i, I live in the Norwich area. So it was always going to be quite obvious that I'd be a Norwich supporter. Um, I've been going along as a season ticket holder with my dad since pretty much as long as I can remember. I'm guessing I would have been maybe 10, 11 years old as a season ticket holder, and I may have been fortunate enough to go to games prior to that as well. Um, so as long as I can remember, it's it's uh, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, it's all been about Norwich for me. Absolutely, and yeah, in terms of your sort of favourite memories of of having supported the club, what would those be? So when I was school age, um, early school age, uh, Norwich managed to get into the European League. Um, a chap called Jeremy Goss scored a goal, uh, and we beat Bayern Munich. Uh, and and you know. Around that time, I think Norwich managed to just get top off the the top league, the Premier League at that time for for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the season. It was the glory days, I suppose, to be fair. Um, and uh, these are some of the earliest memories of of being glued to the radio, glued to the screen, watching it desperately, wanting the team to. Darren Eady's coming on. Is he going to be able to score? <laughs> uh, and these were kind of my earliest memories. Uh, of, of being a supporter, some of the happiest memories, but when I first started 
And I suppose, suppose it sort of, sort of works or segues really nicely from that as well in terms of who have your heroes been? You know, who are the players that you remember? You, you, you touched on one there coming off the bench, but in, t- in terms of sort of the, the players and the moments that you remember most about um, yeah, having having followed Norwich for so many years, who, who are those sort of heroes that, that you've had over the years? Yeah, I think my, my biggest hero at Norwich is, is in more recent years, um, Grant Holt. Um, of course, yeah. It's it just amazing for Norwich, and it was it was the wonderful story of him coming from kind of non-league at quite a late age for a footballer, and then um, sort of suddenly kind of helping Norwich. We were two divisions down at the time, and you know he really pulled us through, and he he led by example, and he was an absolute hero uh, to me. I, I'm uh, sort of knocking on the door for forty, and he was one of the players who was still old, older than me at the club, so it seemed fair enough for him to be my hero somehow. No, of course. I think yeah, there's plenty of fans who've who've spoken sort of glowingly about Grant Holt, to be honest. And actually, I remember his time in the Premier League as well. Sort of the the sort of rugged effectiveness of Grant Holt was was something to behold, to be honest. I think it's probably one of the most eloquent ways of putting it, to be honest. But um, uh, like moving on to uh, this season, then I wanted to ask you. I mean, having come off uh, the, the performance in the sort of 2020-21 season, of course. Um, securing promotion again. Um, everything, I mean, I remember speaking to some of the Talks Norwich City guys uh, right at the start of the season um, around sort of what they were hoping and expecting for the season. You spoke quite quite positively around Daniel Farker, uh, Stuart Weber, and sort of the relationship that those two had, the planning that had been going on for a while. Uh, a little bit worried about maybe some of the um, the spending that had gone on or not gone on, some of the signings that had come in and sort of you know, hoping that they would hit the ground running. But I suppose before a ball was kicked at all, what were your expectations for this season? It, it was it was strange because we got promoted, but it was around the time when we wasn't attending the matches. So it was it was kind of nice because, as I recall, the last game I went to was a Premier League game. We then got uh, relegated. And there seemed to be the best part of the season where... As far as I can recall, there wasn't any option to be able to actually attend. And then the next game I attended it was a Premier League game again, and there wasn't the celebrations as you as well as you can imagine because of uh, the mm-hmm. one was. So it's a really really strange season coming up. Uh, the expectations, I think, were quite realistic because, as you've mentioned, as alluded to, we're definitely a, a yo-yo club. And I mean, like the Stuart Weber and the way that our club set up with Daniel Farke at the time being the coach. Um, if he was the traditional manager, would he have wanted to sell some of the amazing players that we sold going into the Premier League season? We'd done really well. We'd got the highest points ever for Norwich um, and only ever beaten by Newcastle, uh, being promoted from the Championship with the highest amount of points. It was looking very promising, and yet we still sell some of our best players. So there is such a gulf between the Championship and the Premier League. I don't think, I mean, as a fan, you know, it's the belief that kills you. And, and you do believe we could stay up. We're playing well. Um, realistically, taking a few steps back from that, I don't think anyone really thought we wouldn't be in a relegation fight. Yeah, no, I think that was it, was, it was, it was more or less what sort of Jack Reeve, who I spoke to early in the season, had said in terms of he expected it to be sort of a, I mean, to use a succession quote that I've been using pretty frequently, actually, sort of a, a knife fight in the mud or something like that. I think I think I think it was something along those lines in terms of when it comes to sort of a, any relegation battle in the end, it's just, it's just a slug slugging it out towards the end. But 
you know, you you rightly mentioned there some of the some of the players that you lost, you know, even sort of heading into the season. And Buendia, of course, would have been one of the big names, a hugely influential figure at the club uh, to, to lose. Of course, there was the, sort of the recruitment of uh, Rashika uh, in the summer to try and sort of find a you know, somewhat of a replacement for. For Brendia, but of course it was always going to be difficult for any of the players that were signed really to you know, immediately hit the ground running and have any sort of same level of influence that he had certainly sort of during his time at the club. Uh, I suppose, I mean, the way in which it unfolded or, or unraveled really for for Daniel Farker, I, I was interested in sort of how he was going to approach this season because yeah, last time round he, he seemed to get some praise and then some criticism for the same thing in terms of, you know, some people called him naive in terms of the fact that he came up and still adopted the same attacking, you know, pretty expansive approach, uh, and then in some in some games got punished for that um, because of sort of the defensive record, uh, and then others would praise him for you know doing that and you know sticking to his principles and things like that. So I was I was quite curious to see how he adapted to the the challenge of going again in the Premier League and um, and how he would approach that. In terms of how he did and how sort of Norwich started the season and lined up and and seemed to approach games, were you surprised that there wasn't um, more adaptation or was there, in in your opinion, a bit too much and you actually got away from sort of what made you successful last season? No, I, I think it's, like you say, there, there's potentially a naivety. I think it's just the squad as well. I mean, you, you said we've, we've sold uh, some of our best players. Yeah. There was a lot of this. There is still a lot of potential in the club, in the squad, um, but there was either some decent players or, or a lot of players with a lot of potential to be decent players, all being thrown into a squad together at the beginning of the season um, and having to perform hitting the ground running in the Premier League, arguably the hardest league in, in the world. So it's a big big ask and I don't blame Daniel Farker for that I don't think a lot of fans blame him because you think well it's the Stuart Weber is the business concept we've got at the moment um, and it's worked for us before I mean uh, we mentioned Grant Holt previously he was he was bought before this era and, and yet we, we bought him for pretty much next to nothing I think 100,000 or something to that I think maybe less and he did so well for us uh, we, we got a lot of players from the German league for Pretty cheap prices, upcoming players. They've done really well for us. Uh, Timo Puki, pretty much the same story again. We got him for such a cheap price and he's been amazing. But to ask so many potential players to gel so quickly and hit the ground running in the Premier League, it's just been too much of an ask. And then I, I suppose in hindsight, you could definitely say Daniel Farker was too ambitious. But if, if, if the coach is trying to get the team to push forward and, and be attacking, or at least trying to do that, then the fans aren't going to dislike him for that. No, not at all. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's... You, you often see that sort of tension around me. I, I think you see it most of, um, most evidently uh, and most commonly, actually, with Leeds, isn't it, in terms of sort of Bielsa and his approach. And sometimes when it pays off, you know, sort of that man-marking across the pitch uh, um, approach, it can be spectacular when it works uh, when it works right. But when it doesn't, I mean, certainly against some of the teams in the top six, you'd imagine, uh, it, it can go horribly wrong, to be honest, in terms of sort of the way in which they leave themselves open. Uh, and, yeah, it's... Uh, he gets praised for it, gets criticised for it. I'm sure Leeds fans don't particularly care either way. I mean, they're, they're, the players that are in that squad, I think they would all agree that they're overachieving. So it's yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting tension there. And it's a weird one because you mentioned Stuart Webber and you know, he, he's got a lot of praise and I think rightly so for 
the way and sort of the approach that he's adopted at Norwich and some of the recruitment, as you mentioned, loads of really talented young players in that squad. Um, though perhaps you know, it's you know, going back to a pretty old school approach, I suppose, in terms of you mentioned Grant Holt there. I mean, did you feel that maybe there was lacking in, in that squad one or two older heads in, in, in particular positions that could have been, you know, now with hindsight, obviously, really beneficial to the team? Do you think there's going to be, have to be a little bit of compromise to that approach that's adopted of you know, young, promising, clever scouting? There needs to be you know, the mixture in there of maybe some, some older heads who have a bit more experience and can help some of the younger players. Yeah, it, the process works works and has worked amazingly well that the, the scouting the, the scouts for our, our team seem they're doing a very good job whoever's bringing you know directly bringing the players in are doing a really good job and i think it's a kind of it depends on your situation and your ambitions because it works to be able to get us up to the premier league we've proven that twice you have yeah <laughs> um in in the three seasons um yet it it doesn't keep us in the premier league and when we was when we got relegated in recent years from the Premier League, uh, especially kind of going into the, the COVID area, um, it, it kind of looked. It, there was a feeling around the club that the, the players weren't trying, it and for whatever reason, the club was happy to be a business and take the hit, take the umbrella payments, and take the opportunity to go through the same process again, which they did, and it was successful. We're back up to Premier League, but as a fan, it's it's heartbreaking because. You know, where's the ambition to stay up when you when your your player of the season's Buendia and and you sell him? Yeah, and it's 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 a common conversation I've had actually, where a number of clubs that have found themselves in this position of you're know, doing terrifically well in the championship, getting promoted, but maybe perhaps the the investment isn't there to be able to really enable them to try and kick on to the next level uh, in the Premier League and and stay in the league, and, and so they yo-yo back and forth. And it's a it's a little bit disappointing for the fans in terms of well you know, I'd just rather we be in the championship and are you know, cleaning up, scoring goals, playing free flowing attacking football, than going up to this league where yes it's great we get more money for it but actually it's a it's a pretty grueling experience at, at times. And looking at the results this season, of course, it was I think it was what eleven games into the campaign before before Norwich picked up their first win. A couple of real narrow games in there to be honest. That I thought. You're unfortunate in um, some not so narrow as well, and I, I just wanted to ask. I mean, in terms of those opening that opening patch of games in the season, and sort of I think what was, you know, what quickly proved um, you know, pretty fatal for for Daniel Farker in terms of his position at the club. What did you make of the you know, the club's performances in those games? Did you think you were unlucky? You know, came out on um, sort of the the, you know, the wrong side of narrow defeats in some of those games, or did you think that the approach looked to be off um, from from the start? So yeah, we was playing decent football. I mean, as a fan, I'm sometimes the most critical of the club, but. It, it wasn't bad football, and yet the results were terrible against us. I'm just trying to look back at them now. Yeah. And, um, it had a rough start. It was Liverpool in the opening uh, opening day. Then it was Manchester City after that. Leicester, and then there was Arsenal. Um, it was a particularly kind. Just before the Leicester one, we had the um, the EFL Cup game, the- Bournemouth, and we somehow managed to beat Bournemouth six um, nil, and. It was kind of hoping that was going to give the confidence to sort of go on from there. We played against Leicester, and I can remember 
feeling like we deserved a draw from that game. And again, it was heartbreaking that we then ended up losing. I think we scored from a penalty. So on paper, you look at the stats, you sort of think, well, well, Leicester won a fair and square. But it really felt like we should have at least got a draw from that. Going forward from there, we was I'm just looking at the list now. Uh, we then played Arsenal, who'd also had a surprisingly similar season to us. And, and then mm. also the cup game, they'd won 6-0. Um, so we thought, well, we could beat Arsenal here. And then we lost 1-0 again if it it felt like we should have got something from that. So Daniel Farker's approach wasn't bad, but it wasn't enough in the Premier League. So we wasn't getting the results. Um, uh, Liverpool just seemed to, just looking at now, within a cup game against Liverpool shortly after, <laughs> seemingly the, the customary 3-0 against Liverpool, which might be a foresight for this weekend. Um, so, it, yeah, we wasn't quite there. We was almost stepping up to the big clubs, playing better, playing harder, but still being away from being a, a, a way away, indeed, from being able to get natural any results from it. And so, as it sort of unfolded, uh, and you know, you mentioned playing well, but in these, in some of these games, sort of the, the the performance certainly not matching the result. You talked a bit about the club being somewhat of a yo-yo club over the, sort of their past few seasons coming back up to the Premier League and then back down again. Um, but often when that happens as well, I feel like there's, you know, th- th- there's more of a reason to, you know, to have faith with the manager because you go, well, actually, this is, this is just our model. You know, it- it's-, it's-, it's good enough for us to win comfortably at times in the championship. Uh, yeah, it's not quite proving to be enough yet when we get up to the, the Premier League. Um, I- and I just wonder whether or not so you were surprised by the way in which things turned for for Daniel Farker, because he seemed to enjoy quite a lot of confidence. I mean, I, I think he'd recently signed a new deal, hadn't he? Sort of prior to the season as well. So I, w- I was quite surprised to see the um, the fact that he d- he did depart. Obviously, the results were were not good enough uh, at all, and, and sort of it was it was pointing in one direction. But I'm I'm, I'm just surprised that um, yeah, that perhaps there wasn't a little bit more faith. Putting him and going well, you know, look, the performances are you know they're not terrible, and we're coming out on the wrong side of some of these results. You know, sometimes just because of a difference in quality in some of these games, uh, you know, he is the right man. He's he's comfortably won as you know uh, the league um, in previous seasons and you know, has us playing a good style of football at times. Were you surprised that sort of it ended up with him leaving? Not not really. Um, so. In, in some ways, it was it was as as far as like sentimental I was concerned. Um, he, he he, I think I think he might have left on a win actually. Um, but up to that point, it was I think we were on track for being the worst ever Premier League club. Yeah. In a season, so you know it, it's it, it's 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 clear and obvious that most football clubs, especially uh, Norwich at the moment, is a business. So there isn't any room for that, is there? I mean, there's the logic, like you're mentioning, like if we're going to get relegated, well, who do you want to get us back up? Well, Farkas proven that he can get us back up and convincingly. So there's definitely that element. But we was on track to be the, the worst uh, the worst club in Premier League history. Um, and it had fallen out of... Um, uh, one way or another, uh, who knows exactly what, but a couple of our players, um, it, it seemingly fallen out with uh, Todd Cantwell being one of them. Um, if you're looking at it as a business, Todd Cantwell on his day, you could argue that he's, he's worth 20 odd million, uh, and Todd Cantwell not playing is obviously worth nothing at all. So, um, I think that was maybe one of the factors, uh, <laughs> on top of that we're due to be the worst club in the Premier League history. It, it did seem like it was time to move on, but I don't think fans, hated him you know there's there definitely wasn't an issue of that no one was calling for his name um it was 
annoying to lose um, and consistently, and we were only just off the pace. Um, I would have been happy enough for him to stay for all the reasons we've mentioned, um, but it was probably, especially now in hindsight, and, and um, being fortunate enough, I believe, to get Dean Smith, uh, probably the right thing. Yeah, so that takes us on to Dean Smith. Uh, obviously, the way in which he uh, found himself out of work, then back in work very quickly. Um, so sort of a very impressive sort of job of getting sort of rehired. Um, didn't spend very much time on the bench. Uh, uh, sort of, I'm, I'm sure he's even trying to enjoy some semblance of holiday before he sort of got straight back into football again. But uh, you mentioned that you're happy to secure a manager like Dean Smith. Obviously, he was doing very well at one stage, Aston Villa, before things unraveled for him. Uh, Speak a little bit about how how he's uh, how he's been in the role in terms of you know, one sort of the I suppose off the pitch duties of what he said sort of how you know, the impression that he gets the club sort of relationship with the fans seems to be so far but then also um, had he made has he made any obvious um, uh, sort of changes to the way in which the, the side were lining up both tactically but also sort of um, in terms of the, the players that he's been uh, he's been putting his trust in. So um, I, I think first and foremost, I think the dynamic that Aston Villa have is a very similar dynamic to what we have, and I suppose quite a lot of football clubs. But I think we were very fortunate to be able to get Dean Smith in as a coach. Um, people aren't raving about him; they're not singing his name when we're winning. Uh, and you know, we've we've had a, 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 a reasonably good run of form of late, um, but they're not singing his name. Um, but He's fitted in quite nicely. Uh, we're very fortunate to get him. Speaking to Aston Villa fans um, prior to him uh, joining us, similar to how we were with Daniel Fark, they were quite sad to see him go. And it was unfortunate for them as well. But bottom line, it's a business. You need to get results. They had a lot of players out at the time, uh, I believe. So it was a bit hard done by. Similar for Daniel Farker. We, we were sort of had a few injuries and so on at the time. But he wasn't being able to put forward the squad he wants to. And we have got a very small squad um, as far as quality is concerned. There's not many options in the places. On that basis, Dean Smith hasn't changed too much. I think the main thing, uh, people generally like him. Um, he seems to be a very genuine uh, chap. Uh, when you see him being interviewed, he, he speaks very honestly and, and, and clearly uh, about his direction. So people like him. He's, he's he's definitely not a hero at the club at this point in time. But if he keeps us up, maybe he will be. Um, what I was going to mention: some of the main changes I think recently is he has managed to get Sergeant to score, which is quite quite an ask. Sergeant puts in a great shift, puts himself about, but he has been unable to score. Yeah. A mutual friend of ours um, uh, termed him as a, a jigsaw because he goes to pieces in the box. <laughs> yes, uh, it does sound like him. <laughs> fantastic. I thought it was a fantastic. And then we've got Ida or Ida, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, uh, Ida, I, I, I term him as. Um, he's you know young player coming through the squad. And there he is getting opportunities in the Premier League, coming on a substitute. And yet you've got Timo Puki running past him to get into the box. So there didn't seem to be the... The passion there, there didn't seem to be the drive there. And in recent games, that aspect for them two players has changed. Um, so that's been great to see. And I think specifically, not just them two players, we have been going for the ball. We've been trying to push a lot harder and keep that, that pressure on the opposition. Um, and these two players, that's been the most beneficial uh, for. And then in turn, 
as a result of these, Sargent gets the ball across for an own goal at Everton score, and hopefully that's a turning point in our in our current form. And then Sargent scored the other day with a ridiculous goal, <laughs> giving them the confidence to go on from there. And um, Ida scored a goal, which was a scramble, but he's playing so much better. And and whilst there's limits of luck in there, the own goals, the, the freaky goal. It's because they're getting into these positions now and and having a bit more confidence about themselves, uh, and I think it must be clear that that's coming from Dean Smith. No, absolutely, yeah. No, it's it's all about getting a tune out of players, even if they've been out of favour previously or, or have failed to sort of make the impact since since they've signed. And um, I want to come on to talk about um, some of the new signings and and how they've done as well as Josh Sargent in in a second. But I, I just wanted to touch upon what 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 quite happened with Todd Cantwell for, because I think for, for for people who don't follow Norwich as closely as you do for example that I, th- I think they would they'd be aware of sort of the the esteem in which Todd Cantwell was was held at the club certainly sort of the during the last time the the Norwich were in the Premier League I think there were a number of sort of maybe highlight moments or maybe maybe match of the day moments or whatever and, and perhaps he wasn't as consistent across the season and you can tell us this but uh, it, it was certainly uh, my perception that Todd Cantwell was this you know up and coming star at the club and the way in which things have transpired that you know ultimately seen him you know depart on loan to Bournemouth and you know they may well try and sign him depending on what happens with Norwich the remainder of this season uh how did things unravel with with Cantwell and his relationship with the club so it's it's a really strange one in that he is a local boy um so straight away you're thinking you know the sport is going to be massively behind yeah yeah. Uh, Todd and you know and, and they refer to him as Todd's Toddy you know and 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 it's all that local boy makes good for the club and he's playing in the Premier League and he has got a fantastic ability on his day he's a really good player um, he goal he, he can hold the ball well he can find space he's he's a really good player yet even though he's a local boy no one's no one's angered by the fact that we've put him out on loan. No one's angered at Dean Smith or Daniel Farker that they wasn't playing him. So I think that is really telling. I, I don't know what's happened behind the scenes. I, I, I read a, an interview that it had with um, just recently since, since moving. And who, who knows really what happened. But what I would say is when Daniel Farker left, and I think if you look at it as a business, you could propel uh, Todd Cantwell to be potentially a £25 million player. I think I might have added £5 million to my previous valuation just in a few moments. Um, but potentially, let's say, a £25 million player. He's a young player, he's English. Um, he, he's, he's, he's got a lot of ability. And there was talks of like Liverpool being interested. There was talks of, I think it was Man City being interested at one point. Who knows how true they were. Yet, he wasn't playing very well. Seemingly, he'd had a fallout with the manager. Seemingly, he'd had a fallout with other players. He's playing for the under-21 squad. There was problems in the background. I don't know what they were, but there was definitely problems in the background. Um, When Dean Smith comes into the fold, he puts him on as a substitute for, I think, about 30 minutes at the end of the game. So he's playing against players which are already a little worn out. And whilst he himself hasn't had... Premier League match time he never had an injury along the way so I would expect him especially being a local boy um, and fighting for his career to really put in a good performance and he didn't he jogged about he waved into spaces he passed the ball backwards he shied out of tackles and he wasn't interested uh, there was there's no way that he was telling anyone 
um, especially the fans, that he wanted to fight for his position at the club. So for whatever reasons, there was, there was issues there. And when he went out on loan, no, no one argued it. No one was angered by it. So I think that's the most telling point. No, of course, yeah. And it's a particularly odd one, as you mentioned, because you, you'd always imagine as a local lad uh, that, 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 that no matter how good you are, even I think as sort of local players actually in the past, I've seen certainly with Liverpool as well, there's uh, a little bit of furor when they go out on loan or they're sold, for example, and they suddenly become 10 times better, especially if there's a, a little bit of an injury crisis going on. Uh, anybody that you loan out, it's, it's suddenly like, oh, why are you doing... You know, they could be the answer to all our problems. And I've seen many clubs go through that this season, to be honest. But I want to go on to you know, one of the subject of loans and two players that are on loan at the moment at the club, highly rated, Brandon Williams and Billy Gilmore. Those two, as well as the sort of the, the main new signings that have come into the club as well. So thinking of Christos Jolis, uh, Milo Rashika, you mentioned Sargent already, uh, Ben Gibson's come in as well. Uh, slightly different sort of age profile there as well. Uh, in terms of the players that have come into the club so far, and, maybe, and, and let me know if, if, if I've left others out there, Ozan Kabak is another one that Liverpool fans will be familiar with from his time on loan at the club as well, as it, as when we went through that centre-back injury crisis. Um, speak to us a little bit around sort of how those new signings have done, the ones that have settled better, in your opinion, maybe the ones who've started to come good, uh, like you mentioned with Josh Sargent there, under Dean Smith, um, yeah, I feel like there was a lot of pressure on the likes of Rashika, for example, given who he was, I, I suppose, you know, implied to be coming in to try and replace, uh, as well as those two young loanies I mentioned. I mean, what what impression have those players made? Right. So uh, Williams, I am very impressed with. Um, I absolutely love how he definitely does not shy away from a tackle. He he's he's happy to push forward. Um, and, and definitely track back for sure. Uh, he's he's a great player. He's got great vision. I, I like him a lot. And and you can see he, he he fights for it all the time. He he picks up yellow cards along the way, but it shows that he's passionate about it. I think he's fantastic. I would love him to join Norwich. I don't believe he will, but I would love for him to do so. I think he's got a fantastic future. Uh, I very much enjoy watching him. Billy Gilmore. I really like Billy Gilmore. And when he's played, I think he, especially for being a, a younger player, I, I think he's controlled the midfield well, happy to be in possession of the ball in such a position, especially at such a high level, and find the right passes and create spaces. It was a bit of a strange situation. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but a few games ago, um, I think Billy Gilmore had been unwell. I think we'd had an illness run through the, the squad, and I think Billy Gilmore was one of them. Right. We played him probably partly because we've got not a fantastic squad, not a lot of depth in the squad for quality at least. So he had a couple of performances where they weren't bad, but they were arguably bad compared, he set himself up for a fall, they were bad compared to his previous performances for us. And there was some footage where the Norwich fans at the away game were were, were being negative. They, they were giving him abuse, which is really harsh. I was not one of them. Um, and it, it creates a lot of backlash. The people at the, the club uh, spoke about it, and uh, the, the, the coaching staff and so on spoke about it as well. He he played uh, just the other day. He played well again. I think he was played when he wasn't really match ready because he'd been unwell, and because he played so well prior to that, it was unfortunate for him that, that he had a bit of backlash. It just seems really unfair. But Billy Gilmore, I would love in our squad as well. I think he's a great player, and um, and play him as much as we can. 
Yeah, and uh, I think certainly with those players of that age as well, 20 and 21, I believe. Or, uh, actually, no, they're both 20, Brandon Williams and Billy Gilmore. So it yeah, seems incredibly harsh to sort of be critical of them for really harsh. for not being the driving force of the season. Uh, I actually I completely forget as well, maybe it's because of, sort of how big he is, but Ozan Kabak, again, is another one who's 21 years old. Uh, Josh Sargent, as you mentioned earlier on, 21 years old. Christian Zolis, who came in, 19. So yeah, you can see that profile, that Weber um, game plan, if you will. I mean, how are those other um, sort of new signings I mentioned there? And, and I think it'd be great to, to touch upon Quebec as well because I think people were interested in sort of how he would do. Uh, yeah, he sort of came in for Liverpool. I thought he did fairly well, to be honest, considering the absolute uh, sort of chaos theory that he was, he was thrown into at the time where we were trying to play a high line with two players who could not play a high line uh, and uh, press with no pressure on the ball uh, from midfield, which was very a very weird thing that led to, you know, of course, the Aston Villa game and plenty of other results that were kind of strange last season as well. I mean, how has Ozan Kabak done? And, and, and in particular, uh, Zolis and Rashika, those are ones I wanted to, I wanted to touch upon because I think that the, uh, from when I spoke to, to Jack Reeve at the start of the season, I mean, he was, he was getting excited about Rashika and he was, he, he had high hopes. And I, I just wonder whether or not uh, uh, he's starting to deliver on those. So, uh, Kabak, I, I must admit, I haven't seen too much of when he um, has been in the fold. Um, I've unfortunately missed a few of the games um, uh, across the, the season. So I haven't seen too much on him. And plus, obviously, he's been uh, injured. Yeah, I yeah. think last thing I read up, he's a potential to be on the bench, at least, uh, come this weekend. And I think no matter who the player is, they tend to step up against their, their ex-teams, kind of trying to prove and show, you should have kept me, look what I can do. So um, so it might be that I, I see him probably for the first time um, showing his worth uh, this weekend. Who knows? Uh, Rashika, I, I think, is a, is a great player. Um, the games recently, he, he holds the ball well. He made some good runs. He, he took some shots from outside the box, which is a rarity at Norwich sometimes. and. And I, I think he's he's performed very well. I I, I like what I've, I've seen so far. Yeah, I think, I think there was a, there was a lot of pressure on him. Certainly, it sort of felt that way. But uh, yeah, I think again, fairly not as young as the other was uh, the the loanees we were talking about, but somebody who's you know, more towards getting into the prime years of his career. So I think yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how, how he develops personally. But um, in, in in terms of games that you would look at this season that you think are you know if if you hadn't watched Norwich at all they're they're really good sort of microcosms of your season both the good and the bad uh, which games would you pick for so like I'm saying like if, if 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 there was a game that you feel like that sums up more or less exactly how the season's gone in terms of maybe a a a good performance where everything clicked and it's a good example of what the club needs to do more or a you know another game where the result didn't go your way, but perhaps it's some, you know it's been a bit symptomatic of how the season's gone. To be honest, uh, yeah. So uh, let's have a little have a little look and have a little think about that that question. Yeah, no <laughs> um, worries. We've 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 obviously been hit hard uh, on, on the score lines. Uh, Liverpool love scoring three against us. Chelsea scored seven against us. Um, even just the other day when, when it seemed like things were changing around, uh, we played against Man City, which are obviously a phenomenal team and, and mm. who's, what did we lose near? 4-0, I think, on that one. Um, <laughs> I, my dad said to me, because uh, he watched the the Man City, uh, was it Sporting Lisbon the other day? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said that, well, on that basis, Norwich had a fantastic performance. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
if you compare uh, Norwich where they are compared to Sporting Lisbon and the, the final results. So I love the optimism uh, of that. So we're, we've, we've taken some big hits this season and it's been horrible to see their heads drop and, and they're not being, you know, having to straight away into a game which you had such hope of going into it uh, against Arsenal. But it looks like we lost 5-0. I think going in towards that one, we had a, a little bit of hope. We've been playing OK. And then the goals are going against you. And then you know you're not going to win. And you're, you're sitting there watching the majority of the match. And it's just damage control. So they've been in the absolute lows. We have had a lot of... Um, so the heartbreak for me, I think, is probably Tim Krull um, missing games because I think when he's in the squad, it's a different squad and he really does um, ensure that the back line and the midfield do their job and, and, and keep alert. I think he's a fantastic player and he, his reaction saves are amazing for us. So when he's not in the squad, it's, 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 it's a bit heartbreaking. Uh, on positives... <laughs> I'm going to hinge all on Sergeant's freaky goal, which Jamie Carragher I saw after the match or during the match said it was like uh, the goal of the season, and I was watching it thinking I, I think it was luck. <laughs> he was comparing it to Giroud, wasn't he? I think he was. He said, "Was it that that scorpion kick that Giroud scored?" And, uh, unless I'm mistaken, it was not with another goal. I think yeah, yes, I, I, and I think <laughs> I think that was flattering, um, but. I'm happy it went in, and I was more impressed with Sergeant's second goal, where he fights as he ran in. He's got a wonderful header, um, which he didn't really have any right to to get. And I was more happy with that, and that's just shows me that he he can be a full player, and, and hopefully that will go on. And that was probably sort of like one of the best moments uh, of the season for me, just seeing Sergeant um, to, to know that when Sergeant comes on as a substitute, he can make an impact. If we start him, he it, it isn't just waiting for Pookie to create for us. No, of course. And in terms of sort of then your hopes and expectations for the rest of the season, uh, I think that, you know, I, I, there was certainly a stage of the season where Newcastle looked very bad. <laughs> I think that's probably a nice, simple way of putting it. They looked like a very disorganised uh, you know, team that looked likely to go down, to be honest, even, even after the, the takeover uh, and sort of some of the optimism that surrounded that. Yeah, before some any players were signed, you could really sort of tell that there was a maybe a slight fear that yeah you know, there was this this new takeover was going to happen. Actually, <laughs> they were going to spend most of their investing early on uh, in the championship, which certainly would have been interesting, and that's still a possibility, of course. But they have invested so far, and they're trying to pull away from the pack. How are you? How are you feeling in terms of your expectations and your hopes of of remaining in the league this season? Um, and I suppose which games do you think it sort of hinges upon? I'm looking at the fixture list here. Obviously, following the Liverpool game, there's a game away to Southampton. Then, then there's a game at home to Brentford. There's a game away to Leeds. Um, there's a couple. There's one against Burnley as well, and not too far down the road as well. Are those the games where you're looking at and thinking we need to start? You know picking up points in those games, you know, having narrow wins in those games in, in order to secure safety. Yes, absolutely. Um, the Obviously, we, we need points. Bottom line, we need points. Every I, I want to say every season, I'll just sweepingly say every season, we seem to get one or two results, which no one would have expected. Um, across the years, we've, we've beaten Man United, we've beaten Man City. Um, I think we might have beaten Tottenham. Um, there's been 
games we've won, which have been against the trend. Uh, I, I suppose it happens for all clubs. So we're, we're yeah. doing... We were hoping it would be City this season. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know where it came from, actually. But I, I remember before the, the, the most recent game that you played against Man City, uh, there, was, there was quite a lot of Liverpool Twitter that seemed uh, convinced just convinced that the Norwich were going to do do one over on City <laughs> and I wasn't sure but I was hoping beyond hope to be honest because when you did a few seasons ago it helped us tremendously when we when we played Everton we got we got Benitez was sacked afterwards um, and then the following game the manager was sacked the opposition manager was sacked as well yes <laughs> there was sort of banter amongst our fans that we were going to beat Man City and Pep Guardiola would be <laughs> <laughs> given his B45 sort of thing um, um, but I, yeah it did, didn't actually happen which is really surprising <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> I, I think Sorry, so I forget the question. Was it optimism going into the weekend? Yeah, optimism going in, into the run-in now. Yeah, sorry, I sort of derailed you there with the, Man, <laughs> with the Man City fan fiction. But it was just I, I was just amazed by how sort of there was there was huge confidence. And there was absolutely no disrespect to Norwich whatsoever. But I was like, have you have you seen City this season? <laughs> it's just been the most depre- depressingly boring at times machine juggernaut, <laughs> just chucking out these wins. Um, and so yeah, it was a. Uh, but uh, it seemed like people were changing their fantasy teams. All sorts of stuff was happening. It was a, it was a, it was a rather spooky one. I was, I was even wondering whether or not there'd been a, a sudden rush of bets, you know, <laughs> something something weird like that. But um, how quickly things can change. We, we, yeah, we arguably fluked a couple of results. Um, I'm against Watford. We were playing against ten men for uh, <laughs> the majority of the match. That it all started by um, uh, out of form Everton and and an own goal. You know, so hopefully that will be a catalyst for us to to push forward and and and, and change the season. Uh, but realistically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going to win. I, I had blind hope. Uh, it's it's the same as it is going to this weekend. Um, my blind hope says, on our day, on our day, um, maybe Sergeant can score that goal again to prove that it's not a fluke. On our day, we can. We could get a result against Liverpool, uh, but realistically, yeah, I think Liverpool will do the customary at least three goals against us. I, I, I was going to ask you just as we begin to wrap up here, actually, yeah, what your expectations are for that game, uh, and then I suppose actually a couple of questions we've been asking uh, sort of fans and journalists around the season actually have, have been if you could if you could pluck one player from this Liverpool team to, to chuck into Norwich right now. Uh, you know, to help you with your immediate sort of um, your immediate problems, who would it be? Um, and then also, suppose which player are you least looking forward to uh, to lining up against uh, yourselves on the weekend? Right. So um, I, I would take uh, Mo Salah. I caught the end and the best part of the um, uh, Champions League game the other day, and so I saw his goal. I saw him run back on the 87th minute and track back and put a tackle in. Yeah. Wonderful to see. I really, really enjoyed that. And especially when you could argue that he's you know, recently done the African Nations, he should be perceived. Uh, yet there he was tracking back and putting that tackle in. So um, Mo Salah is an amazing player. If you want to put him out on loan to us for the rest of the season, we will definitely take him. Uh, we'll try to give him some pitch time. Uh, and uh, coming up against, I mean, so our striking force... Our only real proven striking force is Timo Puki, and he's a it's a very laid back. Um, he's got a lot of class. He's, he has got a lot of skill. Uh, he kind of somehow sort of jogs into the box and sort of passes it into the back of the net. Um, but I don't think he's going to come up too well against um, Van Dyke. 
I don't think that's going to work too well for us. So I'm a bit worried about that, especially the height issues. Yeah, no, I think Van Dijk actually in recent, it's been interesting watching him this season because I think to those who don't you know, get the opportunity to watch him as regularly, uh, you know, they, you know, his reputation's you know, sort, of, sort of very strong at this point. But uh, you know, he's come back from a serious injury and it was just interesting in certain games you could see there were certain types of movements he was finding a little bit difficult uh, on the spin, you know, twisting that knee. You could say maybe there's a slight little bit of apprehension there around you know, his body and things like that. But yeah, the, the, it seems like the f- the past four or five games, and it's, it's obviously not good news for Pookie or whatever. Uh, uh, but he, yeah, he just the past three or four games, he, he looks like he's pretty close uh, to to the level that he was at um, prior to the injury, where it's just yeah, he's 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 defending in a very nonchalant way at times. Uh, and I, I can't remember what, what the exact quote was, but there was a, um, some very fine praise that he got last night, I think, from some of the Italian newspapers uh, about sort of how easy he makes defending look at the moment. And of course, you always know when it comes from uh, Italian football journalists that it tends to be pretty good, pretty good praise when it comes to defending. So yeah, he's yeah, he's he, he's he's an imperious form at the moment. So uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not particularly the most encouraging news there. But yeah, I mean, it obviously bodes well for for Liverpool fans uh, anyway Craig I mean I, I won't keep you any longer I mean just thank you for all your sort of insight there both in terms of sort of your you know, your history with the club your relationship with the club over the years as well but then also sort of um, I think a lot of insight there around sort of how the season's unfolded how things unraveled as we talked about for Daniel Farker um, you know, the curious case of Todd Cantwell certainly as well um, so yeah really appreciate you coming on yeah, th- thank you for your time. I-, I would just like to quickly say for the score prediction for the weekend, Go on. whilst all my logic says we're going to lose by at least three goals, I I somehow have a belief that we're going to win 1 0. Win 1 0. Okay. okay, that's fine. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to say anything. I- I- I'm just, I'm just going to let the listeners react to it how they will and uh <laughs> please do not please do not at craig okay please please do not tweet him tweet me um and uh, yeah that'll be that'll be absolutely fine um but uh yeah of course wish you the, the the very best for for the rest of the season um and just before we wrap up actually uh i just wanted to mention to, to all those who are tuning in to to rival recon here uh, on Anfield Index Pro. Some of you will not have listened to the show before, so I hope you've been enjoying it. You know, There are lots of pods out there, certainly when it comes to Anfield Index and, and Anfield Index Pro, uh, that focus on Liverpool a lot. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's nice to, to have the guests come on week in, week out, and we, we get to deep dive into you know, opposition clubs, what's really going on in their season, maybe you know, dispelling a few myths that are being... Uh, perpetuated in the media at the moment around sort of the you know, narratives that are associated with clubs. So I hope you're enjoying uh, Rival Recon and there'll be another episode coming up because the games do come thick and fast um, ahead of the Leeds game, which is on yeah Wednesday 23rd of February. So there'll be another sort of Rival Recon ahead of that game. But uh, between now and then, do enjoy all the other great content on Anfield Index Pro. But until then, yeah, I'll see you again with another episode ahead of the Leeds game. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index. 
and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.